and welcome everyone to another week with your host Mordechai Weinberger on JRadioCareof.com. Let's um, to know the number to call in is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. We're looking forward to taking a question or your, or your comment. This week, we will not be having our wonderful co-host, Harav Nissen. Baruch Hashem, due to a simcha, we won't be having him. We will miss him, but... Those that would like, you can ask your question, your comments, 718-683-5858, and we are looking forward to taking your call, or your question or your call. We are going to start with Mr. A. Mr. A, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. Um, first, I want to thank you for all your programs. I, I, I enjoy it every week, and I really missed you last week when you was on a vacation. It was very hard Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so my question is as follows, that I am married by Hashem, and I, and I understand what means to bias, and I understand that I can't ask for my wife to change, uh, like, in one minute um, her whole life, so I already, like, hear cheat him on bias. So I, like, ask her, one thing which was very important for me, and she understands what, like, why it's important for me, and she said to me, yes, I am willing to change and willing to work, and, like, after one day, she tells me, like, I'm so pressured of it, and, like, I can't move on in my life because this pressure, so I told her, when we spoke about it, I didn't ask you to change in one minute, I understand that it can take a year or, like, so... I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to figure out like, if the way I am asking or something I do that you feel so pressured that after a day, and like, it's too pressure, I can't. Is there a way for me to ask things in a certain way that it shouldn't fall like a pressure on my wife? Let's understand. Instead of me answering a direct question, which I'm going to try not to, I'd like to create an awareness. So your question is that, Baruch Hashem, you're married. And what happens in a marriage, in a healthy, normal marriage, is that there are some requests that husbands have of wives, some requests wives will have of the husband, that's out of the, the area that they are in their comfort zone. That means what a comfort zone is that I have a place that I like doing things a certain way. My no. wife might have something that she likes doing it her way. And the beauty of marriage is that when we get married, we each start learning that there is another way to do things. And when we learn our way plus another way, we are a better person. We're more. In order for that to happen, we need to be pushed out of our comfort zone. That means us humans, we are very comfortable beings. We like doing what makes us comfortable, even though it will hurt us. So we need to grow. We need to get up in the morning. We need to go to work. We need to go to learn. We need to daven. But if we can somehow get out of those things, we try to do that. And what the beauty of marriage is, is when you have now two people living together in the same house, you can't just negate it. You just can't avoid it because the house has got to start moving together. Or if the wife doesn't realize and get comfortable with the husband's needs or the husband doesn't get comfortable with what the wife's needs are, then the other spouse won't feel comfortable in the marriage. So that is an issue that most single bachram or girls 
they don't realize, they have this image that when I get married, my wife will do exactly what I want, or the wives think, or the girls think, my husband will understand me so well that he'll do whatever I want. And what's important to realize is, is that, no, we are two different people with two different comfort zones. Now we're going to be in the same house working together as a team. Now each of us are going to have to start going out of our comfort zone. Now that we understand that, what is happening is you're asking your wife to change something for you. Whether what you want is right or wrong, whether what you want is the normal way of doing things or not the normal way, either way, it's, go, it's taking your wife and taking her out of her comfort zone. Now, for regular people, it's difficult. And means for people who come from healthy backgrounds and healthy families, it's difficult to go out of our comfort zone because we try to avoid that most of the time. But it's especially harder for someone when they come from more of a difficult background, where as it is they're having a hard time, as it is they're feeling overwhelmed. And therefore, for that reason, it makes it that much harder for them. So now, when your wife is telling you, I'm trying, it's so hard, and you're saying, I don't need it all at once, that's part of the issue. It means it's possible that she's feeling an overwhelming perfectionist in herself, that she wants to please you right away. It's possible that it's so hard on her and she's not ready or able to get it, to get it right away, right now, and therefore it's frustrating when things aren't, when it's, she's being out of her comfort zone. It's possible that she's got other things on her mind, and she's also trying to please you as well. There could be a lot of things going on. So really to answer the question what she needs to be comfortable with, it is really we would need her to call. Mm-hmm. I understand very. It, it was a very uh, um, clear and strong answer. Okay, what okay. was the answer that you heard? And just I, to remind I, everyone, the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We are looking forward to taking your questions and your comments. Um, so yes. the answer what I got from you is that it can be several reasons what my wife has to call in to ask her what makes her so frustrated and so, and so pressured about it. So That's I right. Guess, uh, I That's right. That. It might be that she's afraid she won't be able to please you. It might be she's afraid that you're trying so hard, or she might be walking around with a lot of guilt. She might be walking around with fear that maybe whatever she does isn't good enough for you. We have no idea what's going on. It could be she comes from a family where, where, where she's trying to please the father, and if you don't please the father, then you're a bad person. It could be she's doing so much for the kids and she's juggling so many other things and she's trying to please you with so much, and now there's another thing. We have no Mm -hmm. idea what could be going on in her mind, but let me ask you, I always like shifting it to the person that calls in. What do you think you can do for your wife, for you to go out of your comfort zone, for you to tell her, you know, I'm asking you to do this for me and I know it's hard for you. I am going to do something for you. Like, ask her to ask you something, what's something you can do for her that's out of your comfort zone? Not something that's easy for you to say. Like, let's say you like waking up early, say, okay, I'll get up even 10 minutes earlier. No, what's something that she might need that's out of your comfort zone? Um, I feel that I went out a lot of my comfort zone. Oh, no, 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 stop. So no, yeah. Hold on. Let's pause it right there. I am sure you went out of your comfort zone in many, many places. Notice my first hakdama. I want you to ask her 
what she wants you to go out of your comfort zone that's important to her. In couples and marriage, we have a very good talent of we're going out of our comfort zone that we think will help our husband or our wife. What's important when you do marriage counseling, when you start learning the other person's side, is you recognize that the other person might have a complete different set of values or what's important to them that to you might either be nothing or could be completely crazy. And to really give them the feeling that you care for them is when you actually ask them what is important to you. And I will try to do it for you. You'll be surprised how hard it is when you need to do a small little thing that's out of your comfort zone. I did, so does your I wife ask you, you say, to go out of to do something, or you came up with it on your own? I understand what you say, but I just like wondering is, is like is this a part of your answer for my question? Like this will make her easier to do something no, for him. No, no. You see, you see. Let, let's let's clarify. Okay. I've a long time learned in the therapy field not to make assumptions for Yenem, ever. Mm-hmm. Got it. So when you're asking me if this will help her, I don't know what's going on by her. Let me explain to you that there could be two opposites. Could be she's exhausted and frustrated. She's trying to bend over backwards to help you so many times, and therefore that's her frustration. It could be just the other way around. Could be that she's frustrated within herself that she can't do it. We don't know what's going on by her, and we don't want to assume what's going on by her. Mm-hmm. But what I do in my therapy practice, when people come to the center, when people come for evaluations, I always tell them we can't talk about the husband or the wife, the other one, but we could talk about you. So now what I'm telling you is if you're making requests of her to please do something for you, my response to you is how about you ask her to make a request of you that's out of your comfort zone? I hear what you say, and I always hear on the show that you're shifting the the question back to the people who called, which I really like. It's make me like I think it's a, like it's a very great idea. I hear it from from you once saying that we cannot change other people, but we can change ourselves to be better <laughs> to to be better and to and to change. I really like that idea, and I will do so. Yes. And I would like to thank you for the Comavasta program, which I like very much, and I really um, feel that the, that the English um, listeners are really missing something with um, with Epsloima. So I would suggest if if you can have Epsloima on one of your English programs as well. It's so powerful and so and so great. The last week, Shira about Shulam Bias was wonderful. I really learned a lot from it. Thank you. So just to tell those listening, I do a Yiddish program for one hour, and in that Yiddish program we don't take live callers, but we do messages that people call in. And there I have a co-host, which his name is Rob Schleimer, and together we discuss topics rather than doing a more detailed one-on-one question the way we're doing it here. So yes, there's always a benefit to each of those styles. And that's one of the main reasons I like a co-host, that I love working with Rav Nissen, because we get his, his views, his opinions, and it's so powerful in every time. So thank you for your call, for your message, and, yep, beautiful shifting it to you. We're going to Mr. G. You're on the air with Mordechai on radio, on j Radio. Hi. Is that me? Yes. yes. Hi. Thank and, you so much for taking yes. my call. Uh, I have a my question. Pleasure. 
Right. We had uh, me and my wife. Uh, we had a disagreement about which hachshirim our children are allowed to eat. I had one direction. Uh, my wife thought uh, yeah, that she approves the hachsha that I wouldn't want my children to eat. So she just, she told me to that we want to ask uh, Mordechai, Rav Mordechai, yeah, on uh, on the radio. What you, if a wife? She feels that a wife has a. Uh, has an opinion. It belongs. A wife is allowed to have an opinion, and the husband does not have to feel like it's his. Uh, it's his. Uh, he's, he's, he's a, he, he makes those decisions. So let me explain to you. I'll share with you a story that I used several times with uh, with our listeners, and. Um, so it goes as follows. There's one of the Rabbanim where someone came to ask him a question about a certain halacha. And instead of telling the person the halacha, the person noticed within the question saying, why are you really asking? What's going on? And instead of answering the yes and no, which is sometimes a trap, we're able to go to the deeper core. Let me explain to you. You, you've asked me a question that's out of my pay grade, as I say, out of my league. It means I'm a social worker, and this question is a Yiddishkeit hashkafan halacha shayla. So I won't address that. It means this is a husband who wants a more from a hechsher or something where he comes from and stay that way. Wife wants a different one, either changing more modern or becoming or, or, or staying the way she is. And what is the right way? That is a halacha question. Now, I would like to take it to a therapy question that I heard from this Rav, and that's a concept I try living by. This is not a question going on between you and your wife about Hechsherim. It's not it. And it's important for both of you to realize, I hope your wife is listening, stop thinking about the Hechsher. What's going on over here is there is a shift in the family. One wants one type of a life, the other one wants the other type of a life. What's happening in therapy? What we do is we start addressing the underlying issues. What's happening that one of them wants to change? Either someone wants to be frommer or someone wants to be more modern. Even if you want to be more frommer, someone wants to be more modern. Is your goal for the house to be a balanced, healthy house? Is this I win or you win, then both lose? In marriage, it's about how will both of us find comfortability, peace, and equality in this marriage that it will work out. Unfortunately, if you've got one person swallowing, it's both are going to lose. So now what my question would be to you and to your wife is, how about you guys, fi- not finally, but how about you guys really go to the root of the issue of what's going on? How long has this rift been shifting? How many years has it been going that it's finally this big, this open? Which one of you have a major pain from whatever is going on about the Hechsheim that they weren't allowed to, or that they always felt they didn't want it a certain way. Can I ask another question? No, what? I I can't answer it right now uh, on the radio. I know, that's that's why I'm saying. We're just creating an awareness over here. Right, but can I ask another? Go ahead. So the second question that we have, if, let's say, my wife said to a child that he, they can have a certain hechsher, which I don't approve, and at night, and we're talking, let's say, a, a, not a, a 13-year-old child, 
almost 14. And at night, the child mentioned me that, you know, they were in the park. And I know the that I eat is not available in that park. And she tells me that, you know, I had uh, ISIS or whatever. I asked her the, which Akshir, and she told me which Akshir it was. So I asked her, I mean, have I ever told you you're allowed to eat it? Why, why, do you, why don't you listen to your father? Uh, my, my spouse feels that this is very inappropriate to approach a child when a mother gave permission. I mean, for me, it bothers very much because I'm not used to this. It's like you mentioned, very painful for me to see this. And my, my wife thinks that it was very inappropriate for me to approach a 14-year-old uh, daughter while she eats something that she approves. Let's go right back to the original question. The more the two of you do not figure out how to work as a team, the more you are going to be schlepping in other victims and now using them as an excuse, which means in the parenting workshop, that one of the assaults that I brought over there is, if let's say the parents are having a shalom bias issue, for an example, let's say the wife complains that the father's never home, or not giving the mother enough time, don't tell the father, you know, you're never home and your daughter needs homework. No, we have a covert, overt messages. I don't want to get into what they mean, but we learn how to deal with the issues directly. Stop using others because then you can be fighting about others. So let's do a your example. You and your wife, you're telling your daughter, don't eat because I told you not to. Your wife is telling you, don't give the kids mixed messages. No, what is going on over here is a very clear issue. You have one way, your wife has another way. She's doing what she wants, and you're going to tell her, if you can do what you want, well, I have a right over my daughter, and I'm going to use this. Now you're using your daughter as a pawn. What should be happening is both of you should be going to therapy. You have the right to put down your foot and tell your daughter you're not going to eat this heksha. Your wife has the right to say what she's saying. What is going to happen is how are you guys going to work it out. Your daughter's an innocent victim over here. The two people that need to work it out is both of you. Are you hearing how it's the same answer to both questions? Yes. The issue is not your daughter. The I didn't think about it. I mean, I knew this uh, before I called. Your daughter's stuck between two. Now, you need a halacha, Shiloh. What should your daughter listen to? You could call up thereof. I just it's hope not a halacha, Shiloh. The question it is... is halacha, uh, Shiloh. This isn't a psychology, Shiloh. This is a halacha, Shiloh. Yeah, the question you is, it's a shalom bias, Shiloh. It's a Yiddish, it's a shalom bias, Shiloh. No, let's take one step at a time. Does, if a husband is makbid on kashers, does the wife have a right to say, I'm not makbid on? That's a halacha, Shiloh. Next thing, let's say it's vice versa. Let's say you're makel and your wife is makbid. Or, or wanting to be more machmer. Does a wife have a right to say, I want to be more machmer in my life? I want to be more frumer in my life. These are halacha shiles. Now you're asking on a marriage question, on a, on, a, on, a therapist, on a therapist's view, the whole question doesn't start. The entire, both questions don't start. What's supposed to go is what, on a therapist's view, there is a rift between the two of you. Each of you want two separate things, which is extremely normal in every single marriage. And the difference is that in most marriages, or at least we hope in most marriages, they're able to work it out. Now, the difficulties come when there are emotional blockages, when they're stuck in something. I'll give you an example. When you're driving down a car, let's say down a highway, there are different color cars, there are different trees, everything's over there. When you're driving, you don't notice any of that. But what happens, Chas if you had a car accident with a, 
a pink or a red car or a blue car with a with a a blue minivan. Every time you drive now on the highway and you see a blue minivan, you know what happens? You get a little nervous. Let me move a little bit away. Let me slow down a little. Is that the same driver? Is that the same car? What changed to one person that had a car accident with a blue minivan to the other person that didn't? And it's very simple. Our brain sees information all the time, but because it doesn't have an emotional stress, the filter just allows everything to filter through and we keep on going. But when we have an emotional stress, a trigger, now the sifter won't let it go through because it's a big emotional stress. Your wife wanting different level cashers than you, if it was just simply a cashier's level and emotion, so your wife wants something like this, you give in. Or so my husband wants something from her, so I give in. Do you know when the difficulties start happening in marriage? When there's an emotional charge stress to that means, am I from or am I not? Am I better or am I worse? Are my needs met or are they not? That's when it is. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Therefore, people are extremely disappointed when they come to my office, to my center for marriage counseling. I have a very different system than marriage counseling. Most marriage therapists will work on you and your wife and work on why you guys are working, why you guys are different, and you guys need to work together as a team. And that's a nice system, and it works. In fact, most therapists do that. But I find a system that's my own idea from experience that I find works a lot stronger. And that is I don't even work on cashes if you guys would come in. I'd be coming in. What are your stresses in life? What's going on? Why is your wife working on your wife? What is wrong with keeping your husband's cautious? What's her pain with it? And work on your pain. What's your pain? If you don't take it, if we ask your oven, your oven says it's okay if your wife or your kids take a different cautious. But you can't let go. When you work individually, not yet as a couple, to the emotional stress where you guys get stuck, then couples can work things out. So most of the time I find couples fighting over the same concepts over and over just here, it's cashers. Here, it's who sits where. I'll share with you a very interesting story. To you, it might seem like a simple thing. But there was a case where the husband gives the wife challah. He washes for himself. Then he gives his wife challah. And he's furious because his wife is so busy always doing chesed that she gives her piece of challah to the guest. Now, she's saying, am I not right? I do so much chesed. I give the, wife the, I give the guest challah. And the husband says, no, I want you as my wife to take the second piece. And this little argument goes all over. He wants to take a walk with her. He wants to go out with her. And she's busy doing chesed to the whole world. He wants to spend time. He wants a little quiet on a Shabbos. And she's busy inviting guests every single week. This challah wasn't a fight over the challah. It's over the husband has a need and the wife has a need. And they were not able to work out their needs. And unfortunately, in your case, now the kids are starting to be a victim. So your wife says, I'm going to ignore my husband because I have the right to do what I want, even though I know it's going to upset my husband. And what happens is you end up being the bad one for telling your daughter something, but why can't your wife realize how dare she put your daughter between a father and between a mother? She should not have given it. And then on the other hand, your wife did give it to her. Now how dare you put your daughter between a mother and a father? And you should have told your wife directly, this bothers me. We've got to work on this. We've got to go to therapy or whatever else we're going to have to start doing. Do you realize how the issue is you and your wife's? And the yes. longer the issue goes on without dealing with it, the more carbonus there will be. 
Okay, now let me, okay, now hopefully this will be the final question. Do you really believe, I mean, I, I know you're very, very smart and you have things very, very fast. I, I know from previously. So my question to you is, do you really believe that this can be fixed in a short time? Like when I mean short, I like in less than a year. I means. Let, let's clarify less what than a year. I means. If your wife has got an issue with frumkite, because maybe her family was too from, maybe she married you and you didn't give her the little easiness, which is okay even with your hashkafa, but you are too from, and this was going on for 15 years, and then it takes a year of therapy to clear, that's very fast. Wow. Someone suffering 30 years of a pain, and then in one year you clean it up, that's fast. Now, you might think fast in four or five sessions. Someone suffering 30 years, and all of a sudden they need, they need two years of therapy for that. Yeah, that might be. Now imagine your wife comes from an issue of 20, 30 years, and you come from an issue of 20, 30 years where things got to go your way, and then both of you will be in therapy for two years. Wow, is that quick? In my opinion, it is. In your opinion, it might be very long. So, right, so two years, you mean like weekly, uh, uh, twice a month? Now you like to ask me details. I try not to do that. Right. Please forgive right. me for that. Right. You're asking me now a, a direct solution right. for someone that I don't even know. I'm creating awareness right. here. So again, right. we created the awareness that this is between you and your wife. This issue has been going on for many, many years, and now you're, you're focusing on the symptoms, and I'm focusing on the root of the tree. There's a difference right. or a difficulty that either you or your wife, or you and your wife have, and you haven't been able to work this out. The more years you wait, the more years you don't work it out, the more victims there are going to be. Now, how long it will take, no one ever knows. We need to realize therapy is also like a medical process. Anything, anyone that will tell you anything about the future is lying to you. No one will ever tell you about the future anything. Do you know if you'll have money tomorrow? Do you know if you'll be alive tomorrow? We have no idea about tomorrow. We don't know how severe the situation is. Many times it could even seem simple, and then we start digging. We start doing therapy, and we hit several minefields that we had no idea. We don't know what you're going into, and that's why every medical procedure, when they do it, someone needs a minor surgery. Do you know the papers they make you sign? Because they don't know what they're going to find. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know how everybody will react. Part of my previous question was that, I know you mentioned a few times that it's very hard to get into you. So it's not. It's actually did, very easy to get into the to the center. Yeah. That is easy. Very easy. Very. Yeah, easy. Uh, what I've done is I've done a major risk. What I've done is the Rebbeinu Shlom gave me siyata deshmaya to shut down my private practice. Many times when people supervise, what they do is they have their clients, and then they have the people working under them, and then the people working under them don't really get the real supervision. They get maybe here, maybe here or there. And I found it very difficult in the past when I had to do my clients, balance everything, because when you work with clients, it is a lot, a lot of work. And then all of a sudden, I still had to supervise with a lot of cases that were going up. It was very hard. So what I did was I completely shut down my private practice. It means I do not see clients from Monday to Thursday, zero. All I do is evaluations to make sure it's people that I believe, we can help, and I'm available for the therapist and for the clients when needed. So this way, they have me there. This way, I'm available. So do you refer the client to a specific therapist? Of course. How does it work? Yeah, it's a specific therapist. I, this isn't meant to promote my, myself. Right, I'm not right, this. I'm right. Just, I'm just doing it to create an awareness that, yes, right. it is easy so, to well, get in where I'm on top of the case, I know what's happening, and I'm supervising the cases, sure. Right, I do appreciate it because I did try already some therapists. I did not find 
they should be able to solve this, this, this problem. Good, but I just want you to realize, this is why I'm spending the time. I do it a little different. I'm not working on your marriage yet. Because when you work on a marriage, we need both of you sitting together that are flexible. Let me share with you, for those listening, a concept that I have in marriage counseling. I think I've shared it once or twice, but we'll still do it okay. And it goes as follows. Marriage counseling is when you've got the two front tires of the car that when you turn, let's say, like your case of kosher's, what are we going to eat? So if you turn the steering wheel right, you want both front tires turning right. When you turn it left, let's say this thing we're not going to eat, you want both tires turning left. What happens if the husband comes from one level kosher's and the wife comes from another level kosher's? So now that same drink, that same Coke, one place could be kosher, the other place could be trafe. What's going to happen to the car if one side turns right, one tire, and the other one turns left? The car's going to split apart. And now what I give the example in the marriage workshop, when we have that is uh, each child that's added on to the family, Kanayinahara, is like two tires added on to the car. So if, if someone's got 18 kids, you've got an 18-wheeler truck. With each kid, you're adding on more. What happens to that car now if it starts splitting apart and you've got five kids, you've got five tires, five rows of tires behind? You know what's going to happen to, that kid, to those kids? Those tires are also going to get ruined. So marriage work that most therapists do is they're going to try to sit both of you down and have you guys work it out. I don't find from my experience that couples are able to work things out the first couple of sessions. Why? Because that example that we gave you with that car, with the emotional pain. When we're emotionally pained, we're not able to be flexible, but it has to go this way. Every time we see that blue minivan, we're going to get triggered because of the accident until we learn to allow it to pass through us, until we learn to let go of the emotion. So what, when we do marriage counseling by me, the first 10 sessions is actually individual sessions. You're doing your individual sessions. What are stress going on in your life? And it could be business. It could be that in the house and in other places you find people aren't listening to you. You find your position questioned. And it's your internal issue that we need to work on. And with your wife, it might be people are always too from. People are so focused on this. She has her needs and no one ever listens to her, whatever that should be. And we need to work on that. The issue isn't getting yet the two tires working together. The issue is that one or both tires have a flat tire. And from experience, even if I see one tire is more flat than the other one, the minute you have one spouse going to therapy and the other one not, then the one that's going starts being resentful. Oh, I'm the problem, he's the problem, she's the problem, and they stop. So the policy is both must come for weekly sessions specifically. So eventually, once we work out the emotional inner issues, now we can start doing the wheel alignment to get this couple on the same page. So by me, therapy, actually, marriage counseling takes a little longer because we first do individual sessions, but from experience, I see it's long-lasting with Siata Deshmaya. So that's mm-hmm. why I do it. It's a derech arucha shihiktsara. I do a longer system, but I find it working very quick and, and much quicker. That's, and I do it just from my experience. Now, many therapists can choose to disagree, and that's A-OK with me as well. You know, everyone can do their style. I don't know, and the way to get in is to call that 718 number? Yeah, call the number. I would ask you not to mention the office on the, the right. number on the, on the radio, because we try not to. I think we've only done it three times in history since I'm on a couple of years now, because the goal is not to promote me. The goal of this program right. is to promote mental health awareness, that there are solutions out there. You can get better. 
and go to the therapist. It's a shidduch between therapists for you to like it and for you to get clear. And that's, that's our goal. That's our hope. Okay? Good. So the number to call in for those that would like is, is 718-683-5858. And looking forward to taking your questions or your comments. So Mrs. I, on the air with Mordechai on... Hi, um, I have an interesting question from you. Um, I always see you doing so much, like in a day. I appreciate it. But I know, uh, only I know, like the phone lines every day, and there's always... Right, so hold on a second. Hello? I just wanted to thank you for keeping holding so long on the line. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just curious, like... I, I'm sure you you have to daven every day and learn and 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 you have to you're also a father and a husband and plus you're doing your private practice you're writing books you're doing workshops you're doing exercise you're doing sessions of yourself I mean h- how do you do so much? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, tell you. There's the simple. I, I wish there was a simple answer. But it's really about balancing and budgeting, and sometimes I find things go in chabulas. They go in packages. means, yes, davening, working with people, but I wasn't able to do both. So I actually had to shut down my private practice and supervise. Now we've got a whole center, Baksham. Now we've got five therapists all helping and bringing another one on board, actually, in the next two, three weeks because of the balancing that we need. So that's that. On the level, spending time with my family, it's extremely important that Sundays, and now I take off even half of a day Wednesday where I come home much earlier. So Sundays, I, I don't do questions on the phone line. I don't do a lot of those programs because it just takes you over. So it's about balancing a lot. But sometimes I think the other way around. I still think how much I don't do and what more I could do. And with Siata Deshmai, I daven to be able to balance, to take, to do some things less, so this way I can do other things more. Now, I have the same question to you. You sound like a from Jewish mother. Don't you find yourself balancing and juggling so many things at Kanainahar when you marry off the kids, you start going, how in the world did I ever manage this? No, I'm actually quite not busy, and, and I'm not managing. I don't, have, I don't have so much to do. I have only two kids, and... Learn in such a busy household, and I'm just home all day, and I, and I'm and I'm falling apart sometimes, and I'm wondering like, what am I even doing to be falling apart? I wonder. But, can you look at it the other way around? Do you see how much you are doing? Can I know you're a mother of two kids, and you yeah. are calm, or you are doing things most of the time? Yeah, but there isn't like I have a lot of free time to myself. And even though I have a lot of free time to myself, I always feel like I could have used more time for myself. So I'm like, I'm like wondering, like, I don't know, like, how can you be doing so much and taking care of yourself also? Hold on, hold on, hold on. What you just did is you're comparing me to you, right? No, I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing. I, I just, I just, first of all, I'm asking this question because I want to, I want to, like, um, Bring an awareness to your listeners on how much, like, some people don't think. Like, some people probably, like, demand more of you and have kind of you about why you don't do that and why you don't do this. 
Happens so, to first of all, I want so to I thank you very much. You're right. I was on vacation last week, and it was beautiful. And other years that I was on vacation, I still did the daily question and answer, and I've done other stuff. And this year, like, I wanted to feel more of the to recharge myself, you really have to, like, shut down. So in order to recharge on one level, you got to shut down the other way. And mm-hmm. I thanked Hashem because it was so beautiful. I came back so recharged, so energized, so happy, so excited. So, Baruch Hashem, that was great. And that same level is, yes, I did get some messages from some people actually disappointed, saying, why couldn't I preload questions and answers? You know, all it takes is about 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. Couldn't I do it on the vacation? I did have some people that did that, and I understand them. I understand they have a need. They said they felt that it gives them chizuk. Um, and, yeah, so that really was so that really was good well, to get the break and to get the understanding that some people have that issue. But, uh, but the goal that we would like to focus on is for us to, instead of looking how others do more, because there's always going to be someone doing more, it's more about looking at ourselves. Am I doing the most that I could right now, not measuring to what other mothers are doing, not... If you have extra time, is it extra time? Maybe it's time you need to rest. And if we can recognize that power, that time spent when we're sleeping is not wasted, it's actually energizing, that can make a big shift in each of our lives. If we just do a simple level of everything we do, do, we see a big change and a big shift. So one of the steps that we help every one of the clients that come in, either with anxiety or with a low self-esteem, is first thing is make a list of what you do do. Because people have a way of saying, what's the big deal if I made supper? What's the big deal if I went to the grocery? Doesn't everyone make orders? What's the big deal if I did the laundry? What's the big deal if I, if I gave the kids supper or I sat with them two minutes? What's the big deal if I just reviewed with them a little bit the olive base or I told them to go do their homework or if I made sure the Rebbe's learning with them that it should happen? What's the big deal? That's called minimizing. When we minimize what we do, do it's a guarantee to feel depressed. When you say, wow, yes. I even got dressed today. Wow, I went out today a couple of minutes. I walked around the block today in my office. It might seem to you so simple, but there was a lot going on. I decided no matter what, I have this little thing that I've started about three, four years ago that I must step out and get myself lunch. I used to have the secretaries get me lunch because I was hopping around another phone call. I realized, no, I've got to be human. So today I had 15 minutes. I, had, I went to the store and I actually ate it there. And it's not like, what's the big deal, 15 minutes? For me it was. And to be able to say, wow, look at what I did do. I did help three, four people today, or I did speak to someone. I did daven with Minion. I had better kavana. I enjoyed it. I said hello to someone. I spoke to a friend. Each of these are, wow, what I did do. You will find a big shift with Siat Deshmaya in your life. The number to call in to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we're going to Mrs. S. Mrs. S., you're on with Mordechai. Um, Hi, thank you for your conference. They're really amazing. Now, um, I want to ask you a question. I work in a very busy office with like a number of ladies working together, and one of our workmates, uh, like she's one of the youngest, actually, is very a manipulative nature, and she'll just get us to do things if we don't want to, and just make us feel we're always the ones being wrong. Like, even when we're in a team and we know, like, she did something wrong in work or she'll still, like, think she's right and she's, like, makes it, like, a really bad atmosphere in the office. Okay. Good. And what was my response to when you asked that question? Pardon? 
What was my response? What did I answer? You said you called in the past with this? No, I didn't. Oh. Okay, so let's understand your question. Your question is that you have you work in a team with several women in an office. Yep. First of all, can I ask where you're calling from? From England. Oh, you are calling from England. Wow. That's nice. Yes. Thank you. Sometimes people call yes. with a British accent. I think it's from England. They tell me, no, they're calling from here. So, uh, oh. well, thank you okay. for staying up this late. Yep. Uh, we look okay. forward to the program. Wow. Thank you. So let's go ahead and take your question. So your question, or I should say address your question. You just, let's say there are five women working in the office, and the youngest okay. one is a manipulative person. It's affecting you. Very, it's affecting everyone. Very moody, like a lot of issues. Yes. Yeah. Now that's real, and that's true. What mm. is your question? So the question is, how do you deal and work around? Like we find when the minute she enters the office, it's like a gray cloud, like blocking us from concentrating or just from her being there. Because like, what yeah. was, like what's going to come next? What comment? What is she going to do? And she'll just... She just has a certain negative power, we would say, to just just make the atmosphere very difficult. And we were, like, thinking of that maybe we should train, like, how to deal with her, but then we were thinking maybe she's the one that we should try and get her to go for help. Or How are you going to get her to go to help? Let's start. That is, let's clarify first your question, and let me share it with you. There um, are different types of personalities out there in the world. That's the reality. Yeah. Now, there are, some per, there are some personality types that might be a bit more strict, that might be a little tougher, could have a whole mm. bunch of different personalities and different types. That's one thing. Now, there is another issue, which is when some people come from, are full of pain. When someone yeah. is full of pain, it means they could come from a house that's full of pain or they themselves went through a lot of difficulties, and they don't mm. even realize that not only are they miserable, but anyone that is around them or interacts with them a lot feels pain. Mm -hmm. and but this why is, is something... it, even, mm -hmm. even without her talking, we just feel it? What is it that is just causing it? Well, I, I would like Every... to not go into the term energies and things like that, but let's mm -hmm. call it this way, that when you're around someone long enough, you learn to read their body language, you learn to read their their body expression, their, their comments, their tone, mm -hmm. their facial expressions. And I don't know if it's the fact that she came in, that's the issue, mm -hmm. or that right away, you know, if you laugh, you've gotten comments from her. Or if someone speaks loud, she will make the comment, you know, yo, you're, mm -hmm. you're so loud, this is supposed to be a professional mm -hmm. office, and it's done in a comment that makes you feel bad, that mm -hmm. makes you feel weak. So it's more yeah. fear. That's the beauty of us humans. We have a koyach to learn from experience, which animals mm -hmm. have less of experience, although they still get that. So mm -hmm. that's what they have in the 1950s when they're able to teach a dog, Pavlov's dog, how to salvate when he saw meat, or how you've got Skinner and Watson when they've had the animals, the, the rats, to be able mm -hmm. to push a button when they want to get food. So you can train yeah. that. So we can make a kalvachayma, that if you can have animals learn that, Kolshkin, us humans, that if we've gotten hurt X amount of time from this person, when we speak loud, all of a sudden your antennas, your awareness gets hypervigilant. I don't want to mm -hmm. be hurt. It's a natural instinct that us humans have, that our bunch of them created in the Bria, in a human being, 
that we should mm-hmm. not feel pain, that we should avoid feeling pain and to protect ourselves. So if you know she's there and you're, you're in danger of getting emotional pain or your friends are in danger of getting emotional pain, mm-hmm. then automatically you'll get nervous. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, the question—it's not like we're weak people. It's just with this particular person that we're like that. I agree with you. I am—I like considering myself a pretty confident and strong person. And when I have these Mm -hmm. people in the office, that's one of the comments I tell them. I tell them, "Do you know it's amazing? You're in the office. The room raised 15, 20 minutes, and I'm feeling Mm -hmm. knocked down. I'm feeling hurt. I'm afraid to tell you things." What's going on about mm. you? I shifted to them that I've had 10 or 15 other people and I didn't feel this. And mm-hmm. you know what they usually do? They usually shift it back to me. Well, you're supposed to be strong. What's wrong with mm-hmm. you? You can't handle me? They shift it right back to you instead uh-huh. of saying, I am a problem. Instead of saying, yes, you're right. Some okay. of them will say, yes, you're right, I'm the issue. And then we start starting the therapy process with them. Look at the words that you use. When mm-hmm. you get tense, Instead of attacking and shifting it to others, take responsibility. Start saying, oh, I just got tense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. but it's very hard because we don't know what's going on with her. We don't know what's currently going on with her. Mm-hmm. I see. So what's the underlying solution? Ah, there is no short answer to that. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That is one of the hardest points. Number one is, so I'll, I'll share with you the points. We'll see if you're able to do it. Mm-hmm. Point number one is to be able to tell her, sit down with her, you and two, three other friends together and say, you know, we enjoy working together. And when you come in sometimes or when you're coming in, we're not feeling that enjoyment. We want to feel that enjoyment with you. What can we do that we should enjoy wanting to work with you? Mm-hmm. I think that's a little too cold the way I said it. Now they actually said it, I would probably do a different ask her. You know, so we did try such a kind of thing. So she like just shot back, um, like she goes, "Oh, I just don't. Maybe I don't say hello because I'm too busy when you arrive." Like she really didn't get it. Okay, then then either there's one of the systems that we do when there is a bullying process where you could sometimes have three people like gang up on them, not in a bad way, but in a nice way. Like, let's say you make a comment, let's say you prepare with your three, four coworkers, and let's mm-hmm. say you're talking, she goes, you girls have to be quiet, or how mm-hmm. could you talk? So if you start saying, well, this is normal to do, and then you mm-hmm. automatically prepare in advance that the other two will defend you, saying, yes, this is normal, we do this all the time, oh. what's yours? Like when you that. start having three gang up on her one, she will stop mm-hmm. being quiet, because she's very good at hurting one. Bullies mm-hmm. are very good on picking on individual. But one of the mm-hmm. things that we set up is to have a team of four or five people that are going to protect each other. The bullies usually don't open their mouth, and you'll see how quick she will change. Mm-hmm. I see. I like that idea. Yeah, that's one of the levels. And another thing is that when she makes a comment, there is a concept of not answering your comment. Just to give an example. Not to answer the comment she literally says, you girls have to be quiet. And if you're going to start going, we have a right to talk, now you've gotten mm-hmm. into her issue. Now, what happens if mm-hmm. you tell her, you just gave another negative comment. Please give a positive comment. She goes, oh, you're all so full of your negativity, or you, you girls, you, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. And you go, we still don't hear a positive comment. You're really not well. Mm-hmm. You just repeat the same comment over and over, like, we first want to hear a positive comment. You're crazy. We still want to hear just a positive comment. Oh, you, you women are so full of positivities, it's crazy. We just want to hear a positive comment. What else do you have to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you just repeat like a broken tape recorder over and over your messages, they will give in. Mm-hmm. They'll usually break. So, even though she's full of pain. What? 
Even though she's like full of pain, as you said, that it comes from just being... Let's understand it. She will do this several times, and chances are she will be changing positions because mm-hmm. she cannot handle dealing with that much pain. So people mm-hmm. that are in pain share pain. That's why bullies will then pick on the next victim. She'll change uh-huh. jobs, and the goal is for you all to be the same and to practice to have a rehearsed speech saying, that really hurt me, that comment. Say it gently. And she goes, oh, you're such a baby? That comment mm-hmm. really hurt me. Please say it gently. Oh, now you're a broken tape recorder? That comment really hurt me. Please learn to speak gentler. Oh, now you're such a sensitive baby. That comment really hurt me. Please say gentle. Oh, that comment really hurt me. Please say gentle. That comment really hurt me. Please say it gentler. Mm-hmm. You just repeat yourself. It's a massive deal. Just go in. And those will eventually, and if you do it, and if three other friends do the same comment, mm-hmm. plus you're there to defend each other, it will stop. But again, I need you to realize I don't want these little tools. One of the main reasons why I don't like or I try really not to give tools mm-hmm. is because people get a, a sort of a false sense that, oh, I can handle these pain people by having these two tricks. No, pain people will, call pain, will cause pain. It means you might have a weaker moment, a harder day, a harder this, and you won't be able to use the tools, and you'll get into a, a, a challenge with her. And then you're going to say, oh, how bad I feel, or I failed. No, you didn't fail. Pain people need to heal themselves because they are full of pain, and that's mm-hmm. what they're giving off. So these are some of the tools to teach yourself or to practice or to build yourself up or to help yourself, but to really be aware that dealing with pain people, you're going to try to minimize your your issues or your stuff or your time with them. I see. Okay, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for calling in Old England. I appreciate that. And the number to call and to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we are going, we've got another Mrs. S on the line. Mrs. S, you're... Oh, Mrs. S. Hello? Hello? Yes, yeah, hi. hi. Thank you for holding. Um, I really appreciate you taking my call. Um, my pleasure and honor. In the room. Hello? Yes, I really appreciate you taking my call. I came up to the country, and I'm doing a day camp. I was promised that I'm going to have 16 children. And Lamaisa, I only have 11, which it's supposed to be 450 a child. So I'm already oh, short well, of 2,000. We don't even know the details. Right, hold on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. You don't want the details, you think? I do. I don't know if we need to all know your accounting. No, 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 no. It's important for the bottom line. Anyway, bottom line, I was supposed to have 16 times 450. I have only 11. And now the mothers are coming forth. I invested a lot of money, like over $1,000, and I'm still going to need more. And the mother started yelling at me. It's a small place of 11 families. They're denying the fact that it was supposed to be 16, and in the end they didn't, but they hired me a couple of days before the country. They're denying the fact that it was supposed to be more kids, and they're kind of telling me that I got to bring down for them a few times a summer stuff for like $300, and I'm already shortchanged, and today they were yelling and screaming, and I was thinking of calling down a balloon for them for $200, but I'm already only earning like 450 a week, and I'm working hard on one person alone with 11 kids and there's no bathroom in the day camp and the kids keep running home and they blame the going home on me because it's not exciting enough. But it is exciting because I have a very well program. I, I went through it with other people that do day camps. 
Lamaisa, I feel very stuck. Like, I don't know what to do. Am I supposed to tell them this and this is the case? Should I pack up and go home? Should I order for them? I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Unfortunately, I don't have the simple answer for you, which means, let's clarify, there is something going on. You had a certain expectation. They had a certain they had a certain expectation, so you assumed there will be 16 people, and you assumed that you will make X amount of money, which is not there now for yourself. Part of the idea was that if you're going to make X amount of money, let's assume if you would make $1,000, then you would lay out about $300 worth of trips. But since there's less money, you're not in to lose money and to all that, which is generally what happens is, in a question in a system like this, you sit down with all the parents. It's very clear. These are my needs. I need to make $500 a week. I need the free bungalow. I need all these different stuff. And if I don't have it now, it's not worth it for me. So now, either you can make the choice to leave and see if they can and do it at an appropriate time, maybe for the second half, so others, so they can get someone else. Or you might not be able to get a place anymore, so it's not right for you to leave. So you clarify, this was my need, this is my cheshman. And now, if you guys want trips with greatest of pleasures, I can do trips for them to, or if we need other activities here, then let the parents get together and lay out the money, which many times yeshivas and schools do that, which is that they tell you, please, that the schools pay for most of the money of the trip, but they need the parents to help out. So this is a classical issue in business, when there are expectations on two parts, two parties, each one assumed that what was clear, and when you get to reality, it's not clear. And that's part of where you try to work it out. So the way to work it out is to actually sit down to discuss it with them. That means that if you do a job half, half a heart, that won't be good for them or good for you. If they don't pay you your money that you need, that's not good for you either. You're going to get hurt. You're not going to put your heart in it. If they have an issue that the kids aren't staying in playground or you know in the in the bunkhouse, and part of it's because there is no working bathroom, then that's again where you have the meeting with them and you clarify. But it's not about blaming. It's let's be clear. What are your expectations? What are my expectations? We're here now. What are the options that we've got? And if people are looking to have a successful summer, we can and they usually can make it work out. If people are looking to hear their right and that it's got to go my way, then it gets difficulty, difficult. So my recommendation is, when you're going to have this meeting, to have someone that everyone agrees on that can be a mediator in the middle. Not that's going to say who's right, because that is a trap to say who's right or who's wrong, and everyone is going to lose out. But if we can figure out a way to get it going, that everyone can speak and it should be safe, then it will make a big difference. So thank you for for calling in. We are going to Mrs. B. You're on the air with Mordechai on JRadio.com. Can you hear me? Yes, we hear you loud and clear. Okay, so I have a question. I wanted to know if you were thinking about implementing your program into yeshivas. When you say program, there's a lot of programs that I do. Can you clarify which program okay. you're referring to? I find a lot in our community that the children don't understand where children are coming from different backgrounds, meaning 
like, let's say a family is Haredi, and they're going to, somebody else is not to their standards, they're going to go and say, oh, they're a shikster, they're shakits. But that's not the right approach. The approach is you need to machalach the kids that this is not the way you do it. And I feel that it's not being done in the schools. And there needs to be, like they say, awareness in the schools that there are problems, so to speak. Okay. So let's clarify. What you're saying is that in some places... Kids, or we're not teaching the kids this generation that much sensitive sensitivity about accepting other people that are different than us. Correct. Okay. Yep. Now, do you want to know if I am going to teach this or if I, we're going to have this sensitivity to others? Yep. Yes. Now, I got a question for you. Can you get me to your school? Let's put it like this. Does my school want anybody to come in? Let's ask the better question. Good. Thank you. So now, instead of focusing on school, since you're a parent, let me shift it to you. And I always like doing it that way. I like going to the one that asked the question. What can you do for your kids to have more tolerance for others? Explain to them that not everybody is a carbon copy. That's right. Which means I find that instead of asking schools to teach these things, I personally believe that that's a lot of the parents' job. I understand that, but they're in the school eight hours a day. Oh, no, don't believe that. Please don't do that. They are in school eight hours a day. This is in the trees of it. Oh, I'm not denying that. You know what I meant when I said, oh, don't believe that. I say what so, I mean but, is what's you know, extremely important to your Ashkafa. It's hashkafa, but what I'm saying is the school needs to be accountable to some degree. Yes, again, I'm going to say it. I believe it's in the job of the parents. Not that it's not in the kids' job. That's not in the the chinuch's job to mirror that. But, again, sensitivity to others in Kalyusrol is about us. It's about how we speak. It's about how we respect. It's about how we tell our kids. You see someone that's different than us, they are just as from as we are or just as Jewish as we are. And it's important because usually... No, but they're not always necessarily as from as us, but we have to teach our kids, okay, because this kid is wearing X, Y, and Z, doesn't mean that kid is a shiksa or a sheik, it's lahastal. That means maybe they're going through a patch in their life where it's a bit difficult for them, and this is their way of saying... Let's, let's stop a second. Now, hold soul. on. How about you doing it? Let's shift it back to you. What can you do? For you to get that to your kids? It's a good question. It's a Excellent. very good question. So I find it, when people like saying going to schools, I find it easier. Let's get the parents. Let's get the parents involved, how we the parents can teach our kids, how we don't even have to go into they're going through a difficult time. They are just as Jewish as me and you, and sometimes things will happen, and life. Let's accept ourselves. Let's accept you. I've just got the message that we've got about 30 seconds left. So I would like to appreciate your question and your comment. That's about Achtas and Klal Yisrael, that we can accept, learn things are different. There are 12 Shvatim, 12 different Mahalchim that Klal Yisrael went through Kriyas Yamsuf. 
and each has got their style. The Rabbi Shalom should help us that we should be zeichet to have the Geulah Shlema and to be together next week with Harav Nissen. Hatzlacha, thank you all for calling in. Appreciate the callers. Appreciate jwitradio.com.